We are working through a series called Made for This. This series has to do with Sign Up Sundays, reminding us that you and I were created for community. We were created to do life together. We were created to connect to God through others and for others. Today, we are going to be looking at the idea of how it is we can experience and find joy in our lives, and we're going to be doing that through this lens of John 15. This is one of the more um, prominent pieces of scripture, something that if you've been in church for a little while, you've probably heard before. It's important when we hear these verses to open up our hearts and minds so that God can give us a fresh word about something that we think we are very familiar with. Let us read John 15, verses 9 through 17 together. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in me. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you may uh, find joy, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. If I I no longer call your servants because a servant does not know his master's business, instead I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my, my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. This word, promise, promises, boy, it's something that we hold on to and we look for in our lives. And I have to admit that even though I have grown spiritually throughout the years, I continually find myself looking at the promises of this world and being intrigued by them. Being so intrigued by them that I spend my money in order to receive the promises that this world wants to give to me. In fact, a few months ago, I saw this beautiful thing online. You boys probably don't know what this is. Girls may. This is something that is meant to make my life easier. See, the worst part of my day is drying my hair because my hair takes forever to dry. And I was watching something, and up came a commercial um, for this little fun little towel. And it showed a picture, not a picture, a video of a girl with really wet hair putting this on her head and then taking it off, and her hair was completely dry. And I said, hey, listen. Now, I knew at the time, it was highly unlikely that that's actually what happened. I knew that. I definitely knew that. But I was also so desperate that there was a chance that it could be possible that if I put this thing on my head for a period of time, I'd take it off and my hair would be gloriously dry and perfect. Well, I guess you know where I'm going with this story. Because I ordered it, it showed up. The first day I put it on my head, I was so excited, and I waited. I thought, okay, usually I dry my hair for a little bit. I'm going to wait five minutes. And then I thought, no, no, really, it can't work in five minutes. I'm going to wait ten minutes. 
So I sat for 10 minutes with this stupid thing on my head, and I took it off, and my hair was really no drier than it had been if I put a regular towel on my head. You see, I tell you about my ridiculousness because I know I'm not the only one out there who's bought one of these stupid towels, thinking that their hair is going to be dry when they're done. And if it wasn't a towel that you bought, there's something in this world, in our culture, that has convinced you that it has the answer to your problems. That has convinced you that if you take this pill every day for the next 15 days, you're going to lose 55 pounds. Happens. It convinces you that if you participate in this teaching, get more knowledge, then you're going to be able to change your life, right? There's these master classes you can get on YouTube. There's all sorts of ways you can learn. TED series, you can learn. And if you learn, if you watch enough of them, guess what? You're going to have a better life. But what I have found, no matter how many times I still buy into it, what I have found is that the promises that this world makes very rarely come to pass. Not only that, but the promises of the humans that I love in my life aren't perfect either. People get married with the promise to stay together forever. But that promise is almost impossible to hold on to sometimes. Because the people in the marriage are, guess what? People. Humans who are broken and flawed. We make promises when we have children, inherent promises, that we'll do our best to take care of them. But I know that most of us who are parents, well, all of us who are parents, whether we admit it or not, we've made mistakes. Our kids promise that they're never going to lie to us again. I never buy that one, by the way. I know that's a lie. <laughs> but the thing is, there is a presence in our life that has never let us down. There is a presence available to us that we can be in relationship with where the promises that are made to us will never, ever fail. We will never be let down. We will never be left behind. And those promises come from our Creator, from our Father, and from the Son. And what we're going to look at today is how as we learn to live into our faith and trusting the promises that have made to us by God, we are able to experience the joy that has been promised to us by God. You see, most of the things that we purchase, we think they're going to bring us amount of joy. I thought that was going to make my life easier and I was going to be so happy about it. Didn't happen. Even though I knew there was a small chance, I still paid for that one small chance. We get into relationships thinking that they're going to bring us joy. We learn, we go to work, we get money, thinking that money is going to bring us joy. But joy, we're going to see today, comes from one source and one source only. Joy that lasts, joy that's permanent, joy that goes through all the ups and downs in our life, the good times and the bad. That joy is found in a mutual, abiding relationship with God. When we look at um, John 15... There's a lot of promises that are made here, and there's a call to us with those promises. And before we get into this, I am the vine, you are the branches, if you remain in me, promise, 
I want to show you the context of the scripture because I think many people don't understand where the scripture comes in the story, the narrative of Jesus. This piece of scripture happens at the Last Supper. This statement, this text, this, these words from Jesus to his disciples happen on the night that Jesus realizes that Jesus knows that he's going to be leaving them forever. And as Jesus is teaching on this last night, what Jesus is trying to do is to shore up the faith of the disciples, knowing that he's no longer going to be able to walk with them every single day. Jesus sits with his disciples and he gives, him, gives them his last words because he realizes that when he goes, the disciples are going to be tempted. They're going to be tempted to fall away from God and they're going to be tempted to fall away from each other. Jesus knows that when he leaves, life is not going to get easier. It's only going to get harder. Jesus knows that the call of a disciple is not to live a perfect life. It's not to live without trial and pain and hurt. Jesus knows that the call of a disciple, the call of each one of us, is to live through life with God in the ups and downs. But Jesus knows that in order to do that, we're going to struggle. We're going to have to make choices that are hard Jesus also knows that as he leaves, these, these men who didn't know each other, most of them, before they got together, this very um, diverse group of men that God has brought together to be Jesus' first disciples are going to struggle to remain together. They're going to struggle to remain a community because life is going to start pulling at them again. They kind of were in this special season of life with Jesus, but as Jesus leaves, that season ends and something new begins. And so he wants to give them the tools that they're going to need in order to remain in their faith, to abide in their faith. And so this is where this teaching comes from. This is the context of that teaching. And it's so important for you and I because you and I live a life that the disciples lived after Jesus left. And the promise that is made here, the promise that Jesus gives the disciples, is that if they remain, if they abide in Jesus, in that relationship, regardless of whether or not Jesus is right in front of them, then they will experience the fruit, all of the fruit that God wants to give each of them. Specifically, joy. In order for us to have the life that God created before us, in order for us to experience joy that passes the difficulties of life, that happens in the middle of the difficulties of life, in order for us to have that, we have to remain to abide in our relationship with God. And Jesus gives some parameters for that. He says, my father loved me and I have loved you. Now remain in my love. What Jesus is telling us in this scripture is that love starts not from us. The power to love, the power to remain, the power to love us, and the power to love others doesn't come from us. It comes from the pure source of love, which is God. And Jesus says, if you keep my commands, 
then you will be able to abide. If you keep my commands, you will experience a joy that passes understanding. If you uh, keep my commands, life will be able to be lived in full abundance. So what does that look like? You will have a lot of people tell you that keeping the commands of God has to do with the Ten Commandments. But what Jesus says in the scripture is that if you keep my commands, and then he says, I have fulfilled, I have kept the Father's commands. Now, if you keep my commands, then you will be able to experience joy. The Ten Commandments are God's commands, and Jesus came to fulfill those commandments for us. Yes, they are good rules to live by. Thou shalt not murder. Hallelujah, right? Keep that one. But our goal in life is not to put these Ten Commandments as the ultimate goal for us, as our way, as our path to God, as our path to Jesus, but instead the commandments that Jesus left us. And what are the commandments that Jesus left us? Two. Two big ones. Plus a little third. To love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself, and then to go and to share the goodness of God and to make disciples in his name. We don't have a list we're supposed to follow. We have a general way of living that makes that list fulfilled. If we go and love others as Jesus loved us, as Jesus loved the world, if we go and love others as we love ourselves, guess what? We're naturally not going to commit any of the sins found in the Ten Commandments. If we love God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind, what God does is God realigns our perspectives. God realigns our priorities. The more we spend time in the presence of God, the more we are changed by God. Jesus says that we fulfill his commandments by, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And this is where we get to the community piece. We will be talking about community all throughout this series. I believe it's really important that we learn to understand how vital community is to our individual lives. There are so many Christians in this world who want to believe that their faith is personal, that their faith is about them and Jesus, and that's it. But we were not made for that. You were made to be a part of something that is bigger than you. You were made to be a part of God's grand redemption narrative because God didn't create humans for individual life. If we look at Adam and Eve, they were created to be in relationship with each other. They were created to be in relationship with the earth, and they were created to be in relationship with God. And that relationship, all three parts of that were perfect. It was perfect. The earth worked perfectly. Relationships between humans were perfect, and the relationships between human and God were perfect until we got in the way, until we decided we knew better or wanted to know better. And ever since that moment when perfection was ended, God has been working towards restoring what was originally created, towards redeeming what was originally created. And in that big narrative, 
When you and I accept Christ into our lives, what we're accepting is not an individual walk with God, although walking individually is important. The bigger picture for us is that we were meant to do it together, that we were meant to do it as a group, connecting to one another, walking with one another through the good times and the bad times, connecting with our community that is suffering deeply, and to do it not so that they come to our church, not the goal, but to do it because we're called to, to do it to be the hands and feet of the one who went before us. Jesus is leaving his disciples with the call to remain, to remain, to abide, to stay in the presence of God so that they have the ability They have the ability to experience the goodness, the fullness of the one who created us. When Jesus is talking to the disciples, he knows that they're going to be so tempted to go back to their old ways. And you know what? Their old ways, as this group of people, they were Jewish. They were raised in the Jewish tradition, and their old ways weren't about sex and rock and roll. Well, not rock and roll. It didn't have it then. But, you know, whatever the things that they did then, it wasn't that. Their old ways was religion. They were tied not to God, not to their faith, but to religion. To the rules, to following the rules. And what Jesus was afraid of is that they would stop doing this everyday faith and go back to a faith that simply was about following the rules so that you, the individual, could make it to heaven. And when I look at us as Christians today, I see those same patterns happening. We come to faith, and it becomes about our individual progress in our faith. Have you been baptized? Have you become a member of a church? Then after those things, are you growing in your faith? Are you becoming stronger in your faith? It's about you and you and you. It's not about how are you engaging God's kingdom as you walk day by day in your faith? How are you engaging community? How are you living the life of Jesus? Because if we look at the life of Jesus, yes, he had time alone, but he had to make time for time alone. You and I put time alone, whether that's alone with our families or alone by ourselves, that's the stuff that we're all about. What Jesus did was spend his time giving his life to others living in community with others. And as the disciples lived with him, they did the same thing. They were taught to go from this very individual understanding of what faith was to a community-based understanding of what faith is and should be. Abiding and remaining simply means to make ourselves wholly present to God at all times. We can remain by doing our individual Bible studies for sure. And I encourage you to do that. We can remain by coming to church on Sundays. That's great, I'm glad we do this. I'm glad we're here today. And this is a community expression of remaining. But there's a bigger understanding of what remaining and abiding in God means and that is where we need to get to as a collective. We need to understand that our faith is not just about us, it's about others. And we can remain in a number of ways. 
We have given you some pathways here as a church to remain that are different than you might have done before. You can remain by becoming a part of a grow group where you study the Bible together, you share your lives together. Not only are you getting the benefit of somebody else's life experience, but they're getting the benefit of yours. Perfect and imperfect altogether. We can remain by serving each other in our community. We remain when we sit behind a computer and press buttons and tell me what the prayer requests are and make sure I don't mess up. We remain when we stand at the front door with a smile on our face and welcome people to this community. We remain when we show up on first and third Wednesdays and cook food for people who are alone and in need of our help. We remain by volunteering outside of the church. Oops, did I say that? This isn't the only place you can volunteer. Some churches want all of your work to be done here, and I understand that that's not all our calling. We are meant to be the hands and feet in Jesus. And if we want to experience the joy that is possible in this life, then the way that we do that is choosing through every season of our life to remain in Christ by being the hands and feet of Christ, by loving like Christ does. And as we do that, we are removed from our situations, which are often not easy. We struggle. We grieve and we mourn for people in our lives who are sick, for people in our lives who have passed away. We grieve and are mourn for our own bodies, which are breaking down. We grieve and mourn relationships that are broken in our lives. We struggle to make it sometimes from paycheck to paycheck. And in the midst of all of the difficulties that we have in life, the way that we experience joy through all of that is not by disconnecting, which is honestly my first thing I do. Stuff gets hard and I say, see ya, and I back out. But the way that we make it through those seasons with joy, with confidence, with peace, is by abiding, remaining in the presence of community, in the presence of God. We have been made so many promises in our lives. But the promise of joy through all seasons of our lives, the promise of joy through difficulty, through greatness, is one that will never fail if we learn to be in a mutual relationship with God, choosing, because it is a choice, choosing to remain, to abide in the love that has been given to us. And that's the choice that we have today. You can choose to remain by joining groups, by serving. You can choose to remain by using your gifts outside these walls and sharing the love of God with those who you come in contact with. But we have a choice. We can choose to believe the things of this world which tell us we got it all in our hands and we don't need anybody else to help us. Or we can choose to believe the promises of God, knowing knowing that God's been faithful in the past and God's going to continue to be faithful in our future. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I know that deep brokenness and pain is experienced by so many of us in this room today. 
And Lord, as we seek a joy that can only come from you, a joy that permeates even the darkest of times in our lives, Lord, I would ask you to show us, to teach us what it looks like to abide in your goodness, to abide in your presence, so that as we live through these different seasons, we experience the fruit that you have promised to us. A promise, Lord, that we know will never fail, but is sometimes still hard to experience because we're tempted. We're tempted to isolate ourselves. We're tempted to do it alone. But instead, God, teach us the gift of community, the gift of abiding in you through others. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.